Seven Dragon Radio. I'm your host, ML Ruschak. I'm here with my special guest and author, Alexandria Clare. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you have a book out. It's called Illegal Foreclosure, Title, and Theft. What is this yes. about? Um, well, it's about my personal experience of being targeted by white-collar criminals Um, I had a lot of equity in my home, and I was targeted as a senior citizen. Um, They thought I was someone who would not be unlikely to fight back or to know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and many times what I found in my, as I began my investigation, is that a lot of people are targeted because they're going through a divorce or loss of a spouse was something I saw very often. Now, when you, okay, take me through the process. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, the process is that um, there is something what I call the bank theft delivery system where banks are offloading mortgages to, um, to REO. REO means real estate-owned property to uh, private investor groups. And those groups locally target, um, they look, they troll basically for people that, as I said, are unlikely to fight back. And they, um, they, based on a fraud narrative, in my case, they claimed that my home was abandoned in derelict. They sent Bank of America a letter, a certificate of abandonment, which Bank of America accepted. And then they became the note holder. So, the note holder or the note owner, in other words, they own the mortgage. The bank is no longer managing the mortgage. The mortgage is being ma- managed by criminals. But homeowners are never told that a change has taken place, so they're unable to defend themselves. There's a, almost a complete lack of disclosure to homeowners. So I had no idea that I was no longer working with Bank of America. And then the harassment started um, and um, and uh, they begin they be, and what they did is they they skim equity. What takes place is that there is a um, property flip equity skimming kind of process where the note is laundered amongst members of the same group of fraudsters. So they're replacing your name. In other words, every homeowner has a deed of trust. Right. And that deed of trust is a contract between you and the bank. It's a legal contract. Right. Um, so when the banks give these fraudsters the note, they're in control. They can pretty much do anything they want. One of the first red flags that people see is that, that, is that they're suddenly working with a new servicer of the mortgage. And then that servicer becomes very difficult to work with. There are bogus fees that are applied. Um, and um, and that puts the mortgage in default, and then you start um, looking for answers, and you can't get a straight answer from anyone, because this is kind of the scripted harassment. They want vulnerable people to leave their homes. Right. And um, yeah. But then they can sell the home again for a profit, and they don't pay yeah. anything for it. Correct. But what I found is that many of these homes end up back under the control of the banks. Because you might ask, why would the banks do this? I mean, my, my mortgage was never into, was, I never owed more on my mortgage than my house was worth. Mm-hmm. But what these people did, and I saw this commonly, was one of the uh, kind of chains of theft that I saw, 
was that they undervalued my home by $134,000. And that allowed these fraudsters to then take out a loan with Bank of New York Mellon, or I'm sorry, J.P. Morgan Chase Bank for $100,000. So they were skimming equity from my home. And um, banks are just not doing their due diligence. They're not investigating the chain of title the way they're supposed to. It would have been a very simple matter for J.P. Morgan Chase to see that this home was being flipped by fraudsters. In other words, it was being, um, you know, flipped back to the same people that were buying and selling my home, skimming equity. It would have been very simple to track the chain of title and see that these people actually um, were fraudsters, but they didn't do they didn't do any of that basic due diligence that under federal regulations banks are required to do. Now, how long did it take you to do the re- – um, well, first, did you get your house back to where it should be? No, I lost my home, um, and um, and what I experienced was really – and there's, there's a very specific chain of theft that anybody can recognize if they know what to look for. But I had absolutely no disclosure from anybody. Um, I tried to work with the bank, but the fact is that I was, the bank no longer held the mortgage. So Bank of America just, Bank of America was just repeatedly lying to me. They were stringing me along until the foreclosure could take place and the illegal seizure could take place so that they could get the home back. And what happens in the end game is that these homes um, are pulled into securities backed by rental property. And um, so after the REO fraudsters have skimmed equity from the home, undermined the property title, it's basically... um, practicing kind of an identity theft um, uh, scam, replacing my name with theirs in the public record. In other words, burying my deed of trust under basically an avalanche of document fraud. Um, the banks get the, the, the REO fraudster groups then pull these homes into securities and they go back to the banks that buy and sell these securities backed by rental property. I know that sounds... No, no, no. I'm following you what you're saying. So even though you lost your home, okay, I'm very sorry Mm -hmm. this happened, but at the same time, I'm glad that you're using your story to bring this to light because I wouldn't have known anything about this at all. Um, Yeah. I mean, 90% of your people out there wouldn't know about this. No, Um, no. And they don't know how to fight back because... Uh, the information is just normally a chain of, normally, if you wanted to check your property title, like to make sure that you had not been targeted by uh, these people for theft, you would just make a trip to your local county registry of deeds office, and you would look up the title history of your home. And anybody can do that, but the problem today is that the banks put in place a company called MERS, Mortgage Electronic Registration System. And um, and their their job was to is to um, supplant the registry of deeds office. 
So these fraudsters are able to file secret assigns and sales and transfers of authority into the MERS e-registry system that are never filed at the County Register of Deeds office. So if you wanted, like I went up trying to figure out what was going on, went up to the Registry of Deeds office, and the J.P. Morgan Chase sale to these fraudsters while I was still in my home for $100,000 based on their claim of ownership of my home never showed up in the public record. It's secreted away and concealed by design in the MERS, MERS registry system. Um, so what you have today are a registry of deed system something we've relied on since John Adams was a circuit-writing judge in Massachusetts. Um, what you have now in most homes is a broken chain of title because if you're under attack, you're not going to find these secret um, uh, sales and transfers of authority. They're just not filed where you can find them. So, you, so homeowners are positioned not to own, not to know who owns their mortgage. They're positioned not to be able to fight back, to never have enough information that they can see the big picture. Okay, I, I'm feeling that this needs to go to a form of legislation. Right, well, I believe that MERS should be called what they are, which is a criminal shell company, and they should be disbanded. And... Um, Counties have lost, across this country, have lost billions of dollars in filing fees. And, um, and what they're proposing to the general public in most cases is that, is that they have a reliable system, that there's no price tag attached to verifying whether or not you actually, your home is under attack or someone has tried to steal your home. The information is just not there where it would normally be because of the role of this bank-created system, mortgage electronic registration system. And anybody who's under attack who goes up to print the documents that are available will notice that mortgage electronic registration system is listed as the owner of the home. And actually what they're doing is they're concealing the fraudster identity behind their name. This needs about at least three different pieces of legislation, and yeah. it's going to take a class action lawsuit, unfortunately, to get this into legislation. Right. Well, I did file a um, civil RICO case, mm -hmm. and um, uh, what I found in the area that I was living, which was Fayette County, Tennessee, is that this this fraud these fraudsters had identified had identified this rural area with a with an elderly population um, as prime for this kind of theft mm -hmm. and um, and uh, and I was threatened I was slandered and um, my case at the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals where I appealed the um, the appeal questions were never addressed so there is a, the financial industry has the power to corrupt our court system. I think we know that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. No, you know, we, now we've seen the news and we know what's going on, that we have a level of corruption today that we would normally, that we wouldn't have seen maybe, you know, 60 years ago. 
And um, the financial industry has the power to, they give huge amounts of money to legislators. And I think, I don't know how you feel, but I think that real profound change has to come from the ground up. And um, yeah, yeah. There's so much corruption right now between the banking system, politics, stock market. There, there's that whole thing is so corrupted versus when you're looking back 60, 70 years. Right, right. Well, I took my complaints to um, the IRS, the FBI. Um, I mean, nobody investigated. Um, I was told by the by an IRS agent, Marguerite Howard that my case had been um, delegated to, had been taken over by the FBI. Well, I never heard from them. I really think that telling American citizens that um, your case is being investigated is just a way to get rid of us. Sometimes it is. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Not always, but Not always. sometimes, always. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cases that go on within federal law enforcement, but at the same time, there's just cases that go, yeah, we're not going to get anywhere with this. We're just going to shelf it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Corruption within the department. That's not the whole overall. That's completely different. Right. That's yeah. Everyone. Absolutely. You know, my concern is for the people that are targeted, and I wrote my book in such a way that I tell my story, but I also tell people exactly how to fight back to recognize if they're under attack, and, um, and uh, to understand that there is not a complete chain of title being presented in any court because the documents that are filed in the mortgage electronic registration system are concealed from the public. And um, these fraudster groups hire the foreclosure mill attorneys, and you never even know when you're showing up in court. I mean, the Bank, bank of America might be mentioned, but they're not the ones that hired the um, foreclosure mill attorneys because they've distanced themselves from this, um, this theft scheme. And it's, now, yeah. Now, I'm not familiar with RICO filings. Did you re have them reach out to other victims? Um, I established three pattern example groupings that I would have presented in court, but I never got that far. Um, I had a Memphis judge in the federal court system who um, these, these, well, the, these same fraudsters, and uh, the, they were feeding an income stream to her family members. And she screened my case because I filed under proper status and as a pro se litigant. So there's something called screening where the judge decides whether or not a case can move forward. And this is a unconstitutional process. Mm -hmm. this, judge, this judge didn't screen my case. She basically ruled on it. She wrote errors into her, doc, into her filing, and um, she slandered my case. I had proof uh, from three federal agencies that there was fraud, including the um, state of Tennessee, and um, she just she she was not going to allow my case to move forward. So that was the basis of my appeal to the um, to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. And what they did is they 
separated my filings under two case numbers and two case managers, which um, basically hid the assignment of errors where I showed step-by-step every slander that she assigned to my case. In other words, rewriting my case, changing very specific um, alterations of content so that she could support her decision to... um, uh, to not allow my case to move forward. Now, oh, there's so many different falses to your to this book, to this case, <laughs> to this. Yeah, and I tried to make the book much simpler than probably our conversation is because I wanted it to be a practical guide. Yeah. Uh, for for people that are targeted, and um, and I hope that people will find it on Amazon. It's on my author page. And uh, title theft or illegal foreclosure, title theft, and its chain of corruption. But I also write in my book about two potential murders where uh, these people uh, pass cases, in other words, mm-hmm. where uh, other people were harmed. And these people, um, you know, they're very dangerous. They're making a lot of money. They have for a long time. And they do not want this corruption to end. Right. This almost reminds me of the 1920s with the mobsters and the things like that going behind, oh, what was that, Teamsters in the 20s, yeah. 30s? Yes, I agree with you. I think we have that level of corruption, and we don't have the Italian mafia anymore. What we have now is the financial industry that kind of view the middle class as are the home-buying middle class as um, lost gazelles on the African plain. You know, they just, they're, they're a predator elite, and they see us as a way to, um, well, they make us victims. You know, they try and steal. They're trying to undermine and steal the American dream. Right. I, I almost want the mafias to come back to strip <laughs> the corruption in the politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't I'm, quite want that, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's what's the lesser of the two evils? But at the same time, it's like we we pretty much traded away the violence of the mafias for the white collar crimes of the politics in the banks. Right, right. Well, you know, the poor, you know, the. Um, you know, criminals, the ones that are out there that we can recognize because their behavior is obvious, you know, that's one thing. But the white-collar criminals who are supposed to be the most um, respectable among us, those are the people we don't recognize. Right. And, um, yeah. And, but I am encouraged because I do believe that more people, I mean, just generally speaking about the corruption in general, I think a lot of people are recognizing it in a way they haven't before. Don't you agree? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're getting better at recognizing some of this underhanded white-collar crime, but at the same time, it's not enough for federal agencies to really do something. They, they do it by case-to-case instead of an overall, we need mm-hmm. to step in. Right. Well, something that really frustrated me probably more than anything else is that I filed multiple FOIA requests with um, HUD. And um, 
they refused to, um, because in, when I began to investigate other homes and other victims, I found that a lot of these homes were pooled into HUD programs and then immediately purchased out of the same HUD or transferred out of the same HUD programs by the REO investors, the uh, private investors, the institutional investors. And um, because they had these properties had a HUD label, as mine did, um, it was easier then for them to sell to banks who were going to give them a home improvement loan, um, in my case, $100,000, um, that the home was abandoned and derelict. So it gave the bank the excuse not to do their own due diligence. In other words, I was living in my home. It was on a golf course. It didn't need any work done on it. It was in good shape. And um, so these people are hijacking government programs meant to help the poor. And HUD is not, I wrote multiple letters to HUD. I sent them an Excel document that showed the five flips of my property title, laundering the chain of title while I still lived in my home, had no idea what was going on behind the scenes, and HUD refused to investigate. I'm pretty sure, I mean, even though we might like Dr. Ben Carson, is that his name? Yes. Um, I don't think that's his, anyway, uh, I don't think he, I don't, yeah, I don't think he's up to draining the swamp at HUD. Or it just didn't get, did you get a letter from him directly? No, um, okay, I didn't. And it, um, and it never made it to his desk? No, but I did get a letter from a Mr. Malik who uh, just completely ignored every, everything I said, refused to investigate. I was reporting a crime. I was reporting misuse of tax dollars on a massive scale, and HUD completely ignored me. It was because of them, because they allowed my home to be pooled by criminals into this HUD program, that $100,000 of equity was stolen from my home. And they have done nothing to rectify that for me or for any of the other victims. Right. Um... I'm going to do some research and email you later some contacts that you might find useful. I mean, okay, great. I, I don't know if it, they're actually going to help, but it'll take me a while to actually find the emails. Because, okay. But so it's not going to be immediate, but maybe well, I appreciate that. We can at least get to the point of maybe getting legislation. Legislation going because if it's going on in Tennessee, in one little community, it's going right. on nationwide. Oh, it is going on. My what I suffered was just a little microcosm of what is going on in every state in the union. I talked to someone from New York just recently who was being harassed by an attorney who claimed to be the note owner and representing the bank, and none of that turned out to be true. It was all a lie. So people who are being harassed, this is why they target people who are unlikely to fight back, because they think that they won't know the difference. They'll be easily conned. And what we don't realize is the big picture, that these REO investment groups that are locally embedded in communities targeting victims are tied to the bigger picture the bank theft delivery system. Mm -hmm. And the reason why banks are 
approving these loans to criminals is because they're not doing their own due diligence. The banks require the REO investors to use select title insurance companies. And so the banks accept whatever the title insurance company says, that this is a clean chain of title when everyone knows it is not. Right. It's, mm. Yeah, this needs to be brought to... Yeah, and I think... Yeah, I agree. And I think that my book kind of lays out the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also talk about... I share why I was targeted. My ex-husband was... Um, relapsed into drugs and alcohol, and I was just viewed as someone who was so so much dealing with such a crisis in my life at that time that I wasn't, um, I, w- I would not notice what was going on, you know? Right. See, the thing is, with some of us, especially authors, when there's a crisis yeah. going on, we're more attuned to what's going on around us. So we pick up on more cues because that's what we do. We research everything. It doesn't matter think, what, what genre we write it. We research everything. Yeah, I agree with you. And also, we like research. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think these people underestimated me because I might have had a huge learning curve, which I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know how to use the registry of deed system, or I wasn't aware of the role played by mortgage electronic registration system. I had, I knew basically nothing about this, but like you, as you said, I love research. I'm a writer, and I yeah. like delving into the, um, you know, there's, there's, there's something safe and um, enjoyable about investigating whatever the big picture is. Right. That that's some that's a, something we have in common. It doesn't matter what it is. If I don't know something and I feel like I'm being scammed, I'm gonna research the heck out of it and I'm yeah. gonna pin your behind to the wall with the information. Right. And also what I went through is nothing compared to what some other people I researched went through. You know, as I said, I developed three pattern example groupings. And um, and so I was able to kind of determine the backstory in some of these properties, and um, some of these people were dead. They were no longer living, and their heirs were defrauded. So people that should have inherited a home never inherited it because these people stole the title right. and then laundered the title through these secret assigned sales and transactions, and um, and then and. And so these people that may be expected to rehab a house or sell a house and put their children to college, I mean, the, the trailing effect of these crimes is long-range. Yeah, it, it's, it's horrible. I mean, seriously, they're basically feeding on the elderly, elderly I can't talk today, and, <laughs> and those who don't, or having a crisis around them. Those are the ones that they're keen in on. And it just sucks, because seriously, why is no one stepping in to do anything? Right. Well, it's because um, a lot of people are making money, and at least in Fayette County, there were a lot of lawyers in Shelby County, which is Memphis. There were a lot of lawyers making money from perfecting these thefts, playing some role 
trading their professional credentials to make these thefts possible. That's what they were doing. And then they had something to hide. And, um, and I experienced the effects of that pushback. As I said, I was slandered, threatened. And um, one lawyer said to me, if you don't stop, you'll lose everything you own. And I was like, hey, I've already lost everything I own, and I'm doing just fine, you know. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I did experience, you know, the threat of homelessness and some other issues that were tough to go through, but in the long term, God took care of me. And, um, and they couldn't shake who I was. And when we go through something like this, and I think as writers, we love writing this into free write fiction, a heroine who experiences crisis but emerges stronger. Exactly. And this is something I always say, watch, don't ever take off an author because you're going to wind up in a book. It may not be your name, <laughs> and it may be fiction, but you're going to wind up in a book. <laughs> yeah, and I named names in my book. You know, I, I said exactly who was responsible. The REO fraudsters are still living in my home a home that they claimed to own three years while I was still living in my home. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the dual claim of ownership is an identity theft crime, which is right. a federal crime. Yes, it is. It's just, yeah. There, there, at least, like I said, there's at least three pieces of legislation that needs to be wrote. Yes, and, and I, yeah, go ahead. Four people in D.C. that needs to be contacted, at least four, that I can think of top of my head. And yeah. This is just part of draining the swamp, but at the same time, it's really not draining the swamp as much as it is putting in securities to protect the American citizens from fraud. Right. Well, think about this, Melissa. If you have a population of renters, who um, are struggling, and the and the we know that the rental market is pretty much fixed. I mean, it's if you go from place to place, you're going to find all the same prices. They, they these criminals, these um, uh, absentee landlords, have price fixed the rental market. If you have a population of renters that are just struggling to make it from week to week, from month to month, those are the people that are less likely to vote because they are so. They're so trapped in a cycle that is detrimental to the welfare of families. And, um, and I also want to say that banks, this is a little shifting here, but banks that perfect these thefts require that the chain of title be laundered through various sales and transfers. And banks approve these sales over homes that these criminals do not own. And they do it because they do not do their basic due diligence. They accept what the title companies claim. They, they fail to file suspicious activities reports against these people, which is required. The threshold is suspicion. It's not proof. And these banks are allowing these criminals to um, launder money. I found uh, proof that they were laundering, like a homeowner would be paying their mortgage, but the mortgage would go through the servicer company directly into a trust owned by the REO investors, and then they would launder that money as assignment of rents. So in their year-end filings, they would call this income assignment of rents. 
So homeowners are renters. Homeowners today don't know who owns their mortgage. Right. We don't know. And that's mm, so Scary. Backwards, backwards from what it should be. I can't even. Exactly. I'm, I'm trying to keep the show PG, so I try not to say what I really want to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But we can go on for hours about this. We're almost out of time. So, again, where can our listeners find you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to start a website soon, I, probably next month. But um, I'm on Facebook. Um, there's a special page set up for my book, which is called, again, Illegal Foreclosure, Title Theft, and It's Chain of Corruption. And then I also have an Amazon author page, which you found with all of my books on that author page. And the the book is available on as an ebook and also as a soft cover. Very good. And I'm happy to have anyone who's in trouble, who's kind of wondering what's going on um, under harassment. Um, I'm glad to speak to anyone that might need my help and just offer maybe some direction on how they can fight back. And people can contact me through Facebook, or they can call me directly. And my phone number is 901-504-9704. There you go. Yeah, that's my passion, to help others to fight back and raise recognition of these crimes. Mine as well. I We have to help people as much as possible. And, oh, <sighs> Getting people in touch with the right people, because this isn't going to change with one or two cases. This needs no. to be national level. You need national coverage. You need mm-hmm. so much going on. And, yeah, we're going to get there. Well, well, I want to thank you so much for having me. This is my first interview about the book. so You are very welcome. I'm and grateful. Thank you. <laughs> 